0: Break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Hey, hey, welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I am so happy to have you back here with me today. Times are really good and I am super excited. For the stuff that is happening right now in our community and our healing circle um, we have the retreat that I'm going to be opening registration for we have the money rehab which in the next couple of weeks you'll be able to sign up to be a part of that beta course and I am just so excited for the healing that is going to be taking place um, for the rest of 2019 and also for um, 2020. And so in case you are just now joining me for the first time, you saw this topic, um, you're like, I need to know what that is. Um, Let me tell you what these things are. So the Money Rehab is our course that's going to help women learn how to not emotionally spend debt or hoard their money because what I have noticed when it comes to helping women with um, their codependency and um, relationship addiction issues and healing their attachment styles that one of the top three things that women will use t- to self-soothe is money and you know I was actually doing my top three um, behaviors recently as I was kind of doing my own self-inventory because, you know, our healing process is forever. And, um, I am definitely a lot healthier than I used to be. Um, I have grown a lot. I have a lot more maturity skills and tools and all that stuff that keeps me healthy and saying, helps my marriage stay great, helps me be a good mom, helps me be a good friend, good sister, um, show up great for my clients, all of that. And I also still need to, um, be aware and, um, be honest with myself and um, be humble and use the same things that I teach other people to make sure I'm living my best life and I'm thriving. And so I think I said this in another episode. And if I haven't, you're going to get this little tidbit for you that is part of what we teach and learn to thrive, which is a whole other thing. But let me talk about the money rehab. But um, whenever we have a hard time knowing how to self-soothe in a healthy way, typically there's a trifecta. Typically, there are three different things that we cycle be, um, between. And so in the past, my three things, um, and I'm going to hybrid one of them. My three things were sex, love, and pornography. I would use those, oh, and I think fantasy. So I use a variation of those four things to help me feel good, to feel whole, um, to um, feel self soothed and comforted. Um those were kind of like the places I went to. And then the second one was food for a while, and then the third one was work and achievement. Actually no, the third one was not work and achievement. The third one was um it was spending money, but it wasn't on my radar cuz it was always in budget. So it would be me Um, buying a whole bunch of stuff I didn't um, need and buying like clothing or booking a trip and things like that and so because I was solvent and because I was in the black you know it didn't really come to mind that maybe that was something for me to look at that it wasn't a bad thing that anytime I felt bad I had to go and blow 500 plus dollars on insert whatever I was spending money on. You know, those of us who before Google came around and could save your credit card for you in your browser, I was one of those people who knew all my credit card numbers um, automatically because I was typing them in so much online. So, if anybody can relate to that, I was you or me, I am you, <laughs> I see you. And then I got better, and those are no longer in my um, in my wheelhouse, but my new trifecta is now it's work, especially as I grow this business and become an entrepreneur and I want to like help women get healed and put my best self out there. I have had to become very, very aware of the place that work has in my life. And so for a while, um, before baby came along, um, work was very much at the forefront and I would talk, um, Repeatedly in other podcast episodes, I believe in my old podcast, Love Junkie, and a little bit at the beginning of Black Girls Heal about some of the changes that I put in, the boundaries I put in to help me um, not overwork and to make sure that I was spending time with my husband and just doing nothing and resting and feeling what that is to just kind of be with myself and feel good enough. Um, because part of the reason why we do our addictive behaviors is because we think that we are not good enough and so we have to do more and have more and give more and consume more to be good enough and so that's part of it and i don't have a third one but i have a second one and the second one for me is also money but it looks differently now the way that money works for me if i'm going to use it compulsively to self-soothe Is still related to the feeling not good enough. And this is where I will buy a whole bunch of books on therapy on Amazon. I will buy, or a lot of books about like self-help or um, books to read for fun. But I won't buy just one or two, I'll buy like 12. And then I'll say, okay, I gotta do them all and do them all at once and that kind of thing. Or it'll be a new training that I need to have, or it'll be a new online course. I know some of you are just now um, learning about the world of online courses via um, maybe the podcast that you listen to or the influencers that you follow. If you're already, if you're an entrepreneur like I am, then you for sure know about online courses because they are everywhere. Um, The ads are popping with people trying to tell you how to get your email list um, bigger and um, get high ticket clients and all that stuff. Anyways, um, money would function for me with always needing all these things to up-level myself instead of learning how to be content and have gratitude for where I am today. And so contentment is the goal and you can logically know, hey, I'm spending money on things because I don't feel good and this is kind of just helping me have a pick-me-up And you could know, you know, depending on where your budget is, for some people, they have the money to splurge and it doesn't affect their bottom line. And so they do so without really thinking about it. But there's still this compulsive buying to try to fill this hole that never gets filled. And for some people, they're buying and they don't have the money for it. And so they are consistently debting. They are going over their their limit. Their credit is being affected. And they also logically know contentment is the goal and I'm doing this because I think this one last thing will actually help me feel better and then I'll stop debting. I'll stop buying the things and it'll be enough and it never is. And so I've created the Money Rehab because I understand that, thank God, there are so many wonderful, great financial resources that are coming out everywhere. There are so many fantastic women of color, financial educators and podcasts, like you have an abundance of people that you can connect to and research. And I've also seen that sometimes it doesn't matter how much great information you have, because the reason that you are buying and spending and debting is not because you don't have a budget. It's not because you don't understand how it works, but because there is something underneath that you're trying to heal. You're trying to heal an old wound, an old trauma with the money that you're either spending or not spending, right? There are some of us who hoard our money. We have a bomb ass savings account. We have um, a whole lot of um, excess money, but we don't spend it on ourselves because there is a wound and there is a fear that if we spend our money, then there won't be anything left or maybe that we don't deserve the money that we have. And that is all emotional. Right, that is all old trauma that needs to be cleared out. And so, what the money rehab is going to do is it's going to help you clear out all of these things that makes us compulsively debt, overspend, or hoard our money. And also under that list is also um, compulsively codependently giving. And you know, later on um, in 2020, I am going to do a more extensive money kind of introduction series about what these money disorders are for you to learn about. But I'll just say here, um, you know, I posted the last week's episode was about healing codependency. And so for every podcast episode on my Instagram account, I'll have, that'll be the theme. And so there'll be multiple posts related to whatever the podcast episode is, you know, for there to be kind of a deep dive. And um, one of the things that I have was a discussion question that said, Do you give money to others when you don't have it for yourself? Like something like that, um, related to compulsively, um, codependently giving. And I had a couple comments underneath that were like talking about charitable giving and talking about why it's important to give people, um, who are in need and that kind of thing. And that is true. And that is not what I'm talking about when I say codependent giving. If you are giving charitably to other people, if you are giving people support and help um, and you are not at risk of um, your lights being cut off and you being one step from being in the same hole that they are, then that's wonderful. If your faith tells you to tithe or to give to your neighbor and be generous, that's awesome. The reason why those are healthy is because those are conscious, deliberate, value-based actions that are coming from a place of health and security. Codependent giving is when you're giving out of fear and obligation. Um, The fear is of being rejected or abandoned, fear of people being mad at you feeling as if it is your job to take care of other people. Um, Otherwise they won't be able to take care of themselves. So you're enabling people to be lazy or under earners or um, takers and um, just not grow up, right? Um, That is some stuff that is examples of codependent giving, different than charitable giving, Different than um, also helping your family in a healthy way, if it's coming again from a values based place of stability that's not fueled by this compulsive need. Like, if you, the difference as well that you can think of when it comes to um, whether or not this is healthy or not is if you say no, what comes up inside of you? Do you feel shame? Do you feel like you are a bad girl or a bad daughter or a bad sister or a bad person because you said no because you had some legitimate reasons to say no? If shame is a part of the equation, then there is most likely an underlying wound that you need to heal. And what I've noticed in my work with women is we can give you all the band-aids that we want, you know, I we can give you dating strategies. I can tell you what a boundary is, and I can tell you why it's important to have, and you'll nod your head and agree with me. But if you do not heal what's underneath, then it's all for nothing, right? And so money rehab re, money rehab is going to help women with that part with the emotional healing of the trauma underneath that stops us from living our best lives and thriving and self-sabotaging and teaching us something else so that we can grow generational wealth, so that we can give to our families and stay financially healthy ourselves and, um, and do the dang thing. Right. So that's that. If you would like to be on the wait list for that, you can go to um, blackgirlsheal.org moneyrehab money rehab. This will be our first round. Doors will be closed afterwards. And so if you are interested in this, I suggest that you join in. Um, The price will go up um, after this first round, after we kind of see what is needed, what is helping people, what's not helping people. Um, So um, I suggest you get in where you fit in if this is striking a chord with you. Um, As far as the Black Girls' Hill Retreat, In 2020, I am taking a small group of women on an intimate, transformative healing retreat. Um, I've been told by you that you want to work on inner healing and resolving family trauma and then also have a little bit of relationship stuff in there as well. And so I love that. And I am so excited to share details with you and get um, everybody on board. And so... If you would like to go to the retreat, I will be letting other everybody know. You know, I'll be talking about it here on the podcast and also, of course, on Instagram. But the first people who are going to get first dibs are the people on my mailing list. Um, and so, if you would like to be one of the first to know, you need to get on the list. How do you get on the list? Well, you can any of the things that um, are, are free downloads I have so many things that i I give away for free so if you have downloaded any of those things you're automatically on the list Um, uh, i send out a double a bi-weekly newsletter that has tips and tools and support to help you heal from love addiction and intimacy, intimacy disorders and unresolved childhood trauma and so if you do not get emails from me twice a week, you're not on the list. That means you've unsubscribed sometime along the way. So I suggest that you get back on um, by either downloading something new. You can um, go to blackgirlshill.org and let me know you would like to be on the list. You can go to blackgirlsheal.org list. And I believe that there's a form there for you to join as well. And I think that's it. Okay, mini mic change, and now we are going to get into this week's episode. So this week's episode is What is Withdrawal? And this is what's going to be the key identifier that's going to help you know what sets apart the relationship and support advice that I give here on this podcast from other ones. And so um, I've talked before about how when it comes to people with intimacy disorders, we do things differently. There's a compulsion behind it. There's obsession behind it. Um, The breakups that someone with an intimacy disorder has, has, um, I I hate to say it this way, but it's the best way I know how, it has um, more deeper and more um, significant effects on us, on them, because the breakup and the pain that's experienced is not just because you miss the person or you love the person, but it's literally related to Um, a re-traumatization because when someone connects to someone else who has an intimacy disorder it's not just because they want to be in a partnership or because they want to have a family one day or whatever the reasons it's because they're looking for a surrogate um, partner or surrogate um, parent to help them fulfill the love that they are missing on the inside And so when it comes to letting go of the person that they are dating um, or married to or committed to or has a fantasy about, because a lot of times when it comes to someone who has an intimacy disorder, it it might not even be a real relationship. It could be a situationship or it could be something that's completely in their head. When it comes to letting that go, there is the same pain that comes from the original trauma that comes up. So I'm jumping ahead of myself. But that is what is withdrawal. Withdrawal is the extreme pain and distress that comes up when you talk about removing the drug or removing the substance that someone is using to self-medicate. And that's actually one of the qualifiers for an addiction. And so I actually have it pulled up and I'm going to read all of the qualifiers. And then I'm going to um, read the last qualifier about withdrawal. So... Um, characteristics of an addiction or of an addictive behavior is that it is something that a person will obsessively think about and um, pursue it is something that um, they will seek out and engage in even if it's causing harm to themselves so physical problems work or study performance problems with family friends and fellow workers Um, number three the person will compulsively engage in the activity that is, do it over and over, even when they want to stop, that they can't stop themselves. Number four, um, let me skip that one, because that's the one I want to come back to. Um, I already talked about the loss of control. Um, no, oh, no, this is the one I want to say. So they will deny the problem. Um, Even when other people can't see that there's an issue, so saying, well, no, everything's fine, and your friends are like, girl, come on, like there's something else going on. Um, Which relates to the next one is sometimes when they are aware, number six, um, that they will hide the behavior from family or close friends who may have mentioned their concern. Um, And then the last one that I talked about um, that I want to talk about Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcast. ...about is the withdrawal. So when you actually do stop the behavior, withdrawal symptoms occur, and this could be irritability, craving, restlessness, or depression. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. So to catch you up, in case you're just now joining me on the Black Girls Hill podcast, I talk about how to help people with intimacy disorders heal. And those intimacy disorders are love addiction, love avoidance, and love anorexia. And so um, it is literally what it sounds like to be addicted to love. I'm doing air quotes, um, but that's what it is. And so a person will use, just like one may use um, cocaine or someone may use food Or someone may use exercise or some substance or alcohol or gambling. A person will use love, sex, pornography, or relationships to help self-medicate the wound. And so I'm throwing in sex and porn, even though I haven't talked about it a lot on this podcast. Um, But usually it's either interchanged in the process of when we talk about um, love addiction or it, it, it has the same need. And so someone may use sex to get the love that they actually need. So the way that I see this a lot with the women that I've worked with in the past is um, that they will try to use sex to um, get someone to stay or to connect with someone when they feel like they're trying to um, distance themselves. Um, it's supposed to be this band-aid that brings it all back together. Um, that they will have sex. And this is how you know it's a problem because I think um, all relationships, I'm not even going to say most, I think all relationships that are sexually intimate, you know, sex is the great repair. <laughs> it, it really is, you know, like it feels good. Um, hopefully it's, it's enjoyable for both partners, the endorphins come up. So, you know, having makeup sex and all that is not part of the problem. The problem is, is when that is your main go-to, that that is the only way that you connect with the person that it is there in the absence of true intimacy and connection. Um, it's there because it's the problem whenever you're having sex, even when you do not want to, out of fear of abandonment and rejection, right? When that comes from this deep um, place of, of wounding, that's when we look at, okay, where is this coming from? On the other extreme, so that, that, is, that side is very... Um, I don't want to say passive because it's very intentional but it's very much like please don't leave me kind of thing on the other side of the love addiction um, is more of the love avoidance so using sex as power and control and so people have hurt me before people have used me before um, I refuse to have someone dominate and take control of me and hurt me in a way that um, people have hurt me before usually it's men but it can also be women um, actually I had a podcast a while ago about um, about what happens when your abuser is a woman because we talk a lot about sexual abuse and emotional abuse coming from men, um, but not really talking about when your sexual abuser is a woman, which happens, you know. Um, And so, but to go back to what I'm talking about, women who may um, have sex as part of their addictive process in the more um, avoidant way, is more of a place of control and making sure that no one hurts me and so using it as a way to um, make people need you more than you need them and I'm um, feeling um, some pleasure and um, and satisfaction over that and so again again having that that need in itself is not a problem I think that's where there's a lot of arguments like behind the scene between people who are like researchers and therapists because it's like this all or nothing. If you have this thought, then um, then it's bad. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when it gets in the way of your functioning and when it gets in the way of how you want to do relationships. So if you find yourself at any time wanting to be able to connect with people, wanting to be able to connect with the partners that you're having and have a more intimate relationship and you don't know how to let your walls down and you don't know how to let them see a different part of you. And you don't know how to let the sexual connection be a mutual exchange instead of you doing to them or them doing to you only. And there's no emotional connection. And you want that, but you don't know how to get it, then that's where we have to look at, okay, where is the problem coming from? What is happening, right? Um, So, and the same thing with pornography. You know, there have been um, women all over the place and thankfully, you know, more in... um, the media um you know we've had jada Pinka smith talk about her addiction to um to sex toys we've had uh, jennifer lewis talk about her sex addiction um and using uh, her relationships with people as a form of power and control and about getting this high but when it comes to pornography kind of the same thing so i feel empty on the inside um, i feel lonely I'm going to use this um, substance or thing to help me feel better. And then there's a loss of control. You're watching it um, more often than you want to. Um, Sometimes compulsive masturbation is a part of it to where you even masturbate to the point of where you are in pain and you still can't stop. Um, You know, these are all things that happen so often and I can't tell you how many times I would get phone calls from women who would say, this is what I want to work on, and there would be so much shame and kind of like this, this awe that someone was talking about it, one. Two, that there's actually help for it, and there is. So there's like just a mini, a little bit about that. Maybe I'll do more about sex and pornography as a as an addiction and go into more detail if it's something that y'all want to hear about. If so, um, you can let me know by going to blackgirlsfield.org. Um, and just making a comment in the contact form or you can DM me on Instagram at Black Girls Hill underscore um, or email me at Sheena at Black um, But just, you know, feel free to let me know what you want to hear about. But for the purpose of this episode, bringing it back around. Come on, girl. There's just so much information I want to share with y'all. Um, I got a lot to give you. Um, this is about withdrawal. This is about how to identify what it is and to give you some things on what you can do to get through it. So like with all addictions, because when it comes to you using your substance, that is not about what you're using, is about the reason why you're using, um, that's what we, you need to focus on. But you're not going to be able to do that until you get through the withdrawal process. So the thing about um, the pain of withdrawal that can be really hard uh, whenever we want to stop, whenever we want to cut off the person that we're not talking to, whenever we try to not live in our heads and stay in reality... Um, when we try to not go out and have um, one night stands or three night stands with people who either don't mean anything to us or if we're the type of person who are like, well, I don't want my, my body count to go up, So I'm just going to keep using the same people over and over. But you're feeling more and more empty. You're feeling more and more um, less in your, in your self-worth and you're feeling more and more confused because you're like, I'm trying to scratch this itch that this doesn't feel like it's getting to anymore. There's something else that I want, and this is the best way I know how to get it, and it's not working. And when you try to cut all that out, and you start to feel the pain on the other side of it, um, that is withdrawal. And so I am going to just kind of list what some of the symptoms are, um, both physically and emotionally, um, so that we can dig into a little bit more. So, um, What may be different from your breakups than the breakups of other people, again, is that it goes a little bit deeper. So um, physical symptoms may be things like vomiting, sweating, chills, heart palpitations, tremors and shaking, constipation, panic attacks, confusion and inability to concentrate, feelings of numbness, aches, and pains. So... Again, because it's related to your trauma, which is like stored in your body, um, all that stuff comes up, and when you don't have that thing to, to make those impulses go away, then your body is going to respond. Emotional symptoms are anxiety, of course, irritability, agitation, anger, grief, sadness, depression, restlessness, boredom, despair, sleeplessness, loss of interest in life fatigue, hypersensitivity, and feelings of numbness. So about the loss of interest in life, that is probably one of the, the symptoms of withdrawal that um, is the most shameful for women um, to talk about, women and men, because men are also love addicts. The thing is with men, um, because, well, I'll just talk about that in a different day. I don't wanna go off topic. But most, loss of interest in life is one of the most shameful things for women to talk about because you are, that's a nice way of saying that you're suicidal. And you were suicidal off of this breakup. And it seems crazy for you to say it in your head. And it's crazy out loud for you to say it to someone else and then they treat you like you're crazy. It's like, girl, what is wrong with you? It's not that serious. And it's like this cycle that just feeds that feeling of not wanting to be here anymore. And it feeds that feeling of, Um, that there's something fatally wrong with you and you just can't get yourself out of it. And that pain is usually what sends people to looking for a way to self-medicate so that they don't have to feel that shame anymore. And so if you're a true um, love addict, that may look like you um, getting another relationship very quickly. It may look like you getting a situationship, you know, so just like texting someone for like um, affirmation and support. It can look like you diverting all of your energy into pain into something else that's going to make you feel better instead of you actually healing. What is that thing? Why why did I really get to that place to where I didn't want to be here anymore? You know. In one of my um, master classes, I talked about um, the example of having a toothache. So a lot of times people think that um, pain is the problem. So if I have a toothache. People will do whatever they need to do to get rid of the pain. So like go get some um, toothache cream or take some Advil until it goes away. But really pain is a gift. Pain is the thing that tells you that there's a root problem that you need to solve. And so if you keep putting like this, this tooth cream on it and to try to numb it, it may work for a little bit, but eventually it's not going to work because you have some decay. you have some rot that's underneath it. Right. And so for you to actually get rid of that actual pain that's telling you, hey, there's something wrong with you and it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger the more you don't deal with it, that pain is a gift that's telling you and pointing you is your north star that's telling you to get some healing, right? And if you just say, okay, well, scratch that, I'm going to go find a different brand of tooth cream instead of taking your tail to the dentist, (laughs) it's only going to get worse, right? So those are the feelings, right? Right. Um, Again, because it's connected to an underlying trauma. So when I have to let go of my boyfriend, Rex, I'm not just letting go of Rex. I'm letting go of the hope that my dad will love me because Rex became a surrogate father. Um, And so it's really important for you to know where that pain is coming from. What is this connected to? And it's not as simple as just saying mommy issues or daddy issues. I think a lot of times people say, yeah, my father wasn't around and um, that's, that's why I have these issues. And that's, that's not it by itself. If that was the case, if that was enough to just know that because my father wasn't around, that's why I'm having these problems, then everybody would be immediately healed. Um, and you have to know everyone has their own special recipe and sauce of what they are trying to heal and where this pain comes from. And so you got to go deeper you have to understand um, what your what your thing is so that you can start to give yourself what you are missing out on here's the important thing for you to know about withdrawal and there's also some bad news the bad news is that the only way to get through withdrawal is to actually go through it there's no substitute that you can do that pain that you're feeling when you cut off the person is exactly what you're supposed to feel you are going to feel that way for a day, for three days, for two weeks, for a couple months, right? Because you're literally getting out and your system is cleansing all the pain that subconsciously your body has connected to your trauma, your your past relationship to your trauma or your addictive behavior to your trauma. The good news about going through withdrawal is that it does end. So a lot of times, especially at the very beginning, the pain that we're feeling, we feel like it could, it'll never be over. And the ways that you will sabotage your withdrawal, y'all, is that if you're going through all this pain and your thought is, I just need fill in the blank to make me feel better, to just kind of take the edge off. So if you're in withdrawal from an unhealthy relationship and you start to hang out with a, a good guy friend, that there's like an underlying, like sexual chemistry or emotional intimate chemistry, even if you don't like him, if he likes you, you are cutting through your withdrawal process because you're using him to help you feel better. And you're still just feeding the addiction. The addiction being that you need love and affirmation from somebody else to help you feel good enough. That's what you're actually in withdrawal from. It's not just the person. You know, if you look back at your relationship history, if you're a love addict whether you had two partners or 20 partners, you will see that it's the same goal that you're trying to reach, just a different person, different name, right? Same situation, just a different, um, same outcome, just a different person that's walking through that process with you. So you have to completely cut out all of the people and all the things that you're using to fill your hole, okay? So that's the first step. The first step is no contact. The second step is to replace your unhealthy coping with healthy coping mechanisms. So instead of you using the shopping, and um, obviously I have in my mind the money rehab stuff, um, but instead of you using the relationships um, or ways that you use money or food or um, other things or work to help you feel better, you need to replace it with healthy coping mechanisms. So make your list of healthy coping mechanisms and start to do that, replace your behaviors with that. And number three is to not do it alone. I think one of the hardest things that, um, or one of the things that makes this very hard is when people try to do this process by themselves. And they're like, okay, I'm just gonna cut off all the men or all the women or both, depending on um, your sexual orientation um and i am just going to also go into my little hole and i'm just going to isolate from everybody and that's the worst thing you, you're going to you, you do right you have an intimacy disorder and so the way that you work through an intimacy disorder is you learn how to be intimate in a healthy way so that means you cut out the toxicity in your life but you get closer to the healthy people that are in your life that you learn how to bring people closer that you learn how to open up that you learn how to talk about your pain That is the only way that you are going to get through the withdrawal process because part of what comes up when you're going through withdrawal is all those thoughts about yourself that you may have been hiding or not in touch with while you had the person or the thing or the behavior available. So the feelings of not being good enough, the fears of being um, um, fatally flawed, the fears of being stupid or being ugly or being not important. Or being easy to just throw aside all that stuff starts to come up and the more that you're alone instead of in healthy relationship with other people the more you're gonna feel that that's true right so um, those are the three things that you can do to get to the other side of withdrawal I'm talking kind of fast now because I want to make sure that this episode is not three hours long but that is withdrawal so Hopefully that is helpful for you to know what has been going on whenever you try to separate from someone. This is just one part of the puzzle, y'all. When it comes to getting through um, and healing an intimacy disorder, for every single person who is listening to me, whether it's love addiction, love avoidance, or love anorexia, withdrawal is part of the process and it is something that you have to go through. And again, in the interest of time, I'm not going to keep going, but I do have something to help you get the process started if you haven't already. I have a roadmap, um, a free download for you that for each one of the intimacy disorders, I've broken down five steps for you to pursue to get to the other side. It is the full five steps. Nothing is missing, um, but literally do this, do this, do this, then do this and do this, because <laughs> that's five, um, for each one, a different roadmap for each one. So if you would like to have that roadmap, you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash roadmap, and you can download it um, right now. Um, and you can kind of use it as your guide. You know, after I get through this withdrawal process, and I'm cutting out all these things that are hurtful to me, then what do I do? Right? Um, and just see how that goes for you. But let me know how that goes for you. And um, I really want everyone to get to the other side. Do not be afraid of this process. Um, Again, I just need to emphasize that it will end, the pain will end, but you have to see it all the way through. Okay. Um, So that's it for this episode. I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.